Okay, so like the word of the Lord is here for us tonight. You guys ready? Thank you, God. Father, I just thank you right now that your word is powerful and effective and it has the ability to change us. And I thank you right now, Jesus, that you just anoint me, that you just possess me and take over and that your word flows through me like arrows tonight. In Jesus' name, I thank you for every person in this room, every person listening right now. I anoint you with the word of God. I anoint you with the oil of gladness. I anoint you with the oil that destroys the yoke of bondage. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah was a prophet that wrote, do you know that the reason that people were able to recognize Jesus and authenticate him was because prophets prophesied? And some of them prophesied hundreds, if not thousands of years earlier. Matter of fact, God the Father prophesied Jesus in the Garden of Eden. So anyways, Isaiah here in Proverbs, uh, sorry, in Isaiah chapter 61 is prophesying the coming of Jesus. And it's a very well-known chapter. It's a very, very well-known scripture. As a matter of fact, it's the first thing that Jesus said when he came out of the wilderness, uh, being fasting and praying and being tempted of the devil for 40 days. He came out and he, he quoted the scripture, preaching it. So this is, the, I just want to read the, prophetic, uh, the, the prophecy here of him. Uh, verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You have to remember these guys didn't have any concept of Jesus. This is the prophetic, the spirit of God speaking of things to come. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and the opening of the prison door to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Okay, stop right there. This is a signpost prophetically that was spoken hundreds of years before Jesus came of who Jesus was so they could see him and they could realize who he was. And then when Jesus came out of the desert, he came out and the first thing he came out and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. What he was saying was, I'm one and the same. But it was more than that. He was saying, this is what I've come to do. This is the description, and it goes on further. This is the description of what Jesus came to do. Now, I, I, I want to I look at it from a slightly different angle. Because you see, Jesus has come to do these things for us. Correct? But I want to actually draw our attention to a different, a different angle in just a little bit. So let's read this again. I'm, I'm, I'm big on repetition because rep repetition slowly gets into our brain. Whereas sometimes if we hear it once, it bounces out. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news or good tidings to the poor. The poor is not just the poor financially. The poor is anyone that is disadvantaged in any way, which is everybody. You know how the Scripture says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God? That's poor. Po, 
breaking pole, whatever you, whatever you want to, however you want to see it. Okay, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. God, Jesus, came to heal your emotional damage. What brokenhearted? Well, how about emotional damage? We've all got some emotional damage. Might be parents, it might be broken home, it might be boyfriend, girlfriend, broken relationship, people that were abusive, terrible things that happened, the way we were treated, whatever that looks like, whatever it is, however bad it is, Jesus came to heal your heart. The problem is, is when you see someone that's been saved for 10, 15, 20 years and they still have that problem. You have to start asking yourself, have you given this to Jesus or are you still your own God? To proclaim freedom to captives. Let's look at that for a second. What does freedom to captives look like? Because isn't it interesting how we're such an elitist being that we always look at the disadvantaged person next to us and we actually never put ourselves under the microscope? We always think of the next person and what the next person has done wrong, and we actually don't really pay attention to our own need. That's the reason why the Pharisees didn't recognize Jesus, because they were busy seeing problems with everything else, or looking for, or a critical spirit looking to get other people, looking to blame Jesus. Oh, look what he's doing wrong. Instead of looking with innocence, they would have seen the sun. They would have. So sometimes we can have problems with that. So what does it look like to proclaim liberty to captives? Well, can we get raw for a second? Do I have your permission to get raw? Good. I appreciate it. <laughs> raw, uh, fr- uh, raw, let's get raw. <laughs> uh, liberty to the captives <laughs> looks like your addiction being set free. It looks like your secret sin losing its power. It looks like your investment into hate and bitterness being washed out. It looks like that habitual sin that you've tried so many times and can't get free of being dissolved and losing its power of your life. Hello. See, the thing is, is that we've become such professional Christians that show up in church and we have taught to, uh, we've, we've taught ourselves to play an amazing game where everyone else in the room believes that we are the exemplary example of being Christ-like, and yet we're addicted to pornography, we've got alcohol issues, we've got uh, lust issues, we've got drug issues, we've got uh, all kinds of hatred. See, the thing is, or oh, here's another one, you're cowards. Someone might be a coward in this room. That's just as bad as everyone else. We sit there and go, well, I don't have those sexual problems. Or I don't have that addiction. Yeah, but you're a coward. You're afraid to preach Jesus. You can go to the book of Revelation and you, where, where God lines up all the really bad sins. Here, let's, let's just deal with something in the room here. Well, it's not really in this room, but it's, let's just deal with something that's all messed up in the church today. The church has spent the last 50 years, and beyond that, but particularly the last 50 years, persecuting homosexuals. Now, actually, I hate that term because what you've just done is you've just named a human being by the sin that they're in. 
what you've done is, see, the thing is, is that, you know, people don't call you a hater and people don't call, identify you as a pervert. True? They call you by your name. And that's how God, that's how God gets us, right? But the thing is, is that, you know, we actually have taken scriptures over the years, and when I say we, I'm talking about the church historically, and we've actually labeled people instead of seeing them as lost sons and daughters that need to find their father. But the thing is, is that we've made one sin worse than another, and by doing that, we've chased people away from God and told them that they're unlovable. But if you go to the book of Revelation, it lists the sin, and it says homosexuals, cowards, are going to hell. See, now it gets a little weird in the room because people start rethinking their religion. When I use the word religion, I'm not using the word religion. I'm using the word what you believe. You get what I'm saying? You start recounting and and rethinking what you believe because you start remembering back to that last time that God told you to share Jesus with someone and you chickened out. That makes you a coward, right? So everything that you just thought that you could get away because that you thought you were going to heaven because you were better than the next person that struggled with that particular sin, well, now you're just in the same category. We all need the grace of God. So, to proclaim freedom to the captives. So that's now all of us. Is this okay? Because we become professional, self-righteous little Pharisees, don't we? Oh, that'll preach, Pastor. That'll preach. No. What we need to do is we actually need to humble ourselves before the hand of an almighty God. And we actually need to cry out for his mercy. Because here's the awesome part. His goodness came for you. And it came for me. And it's available for all. I'm I'm touching this on purpose. Because the way that we're going to save the world is realize the compassion that we need personally the mercy and the grace that we have needed personally. And you're going to start looking at every person, no matter what their issue has been in life, with compassion and grace and mercy. And you're going to see a lost son that just hasn't found the Father yet. And you're going to realize that you're the one that's going to bring them to the Father. Don't you understand? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Isn't that the same Jesus that's now in you? That means that you are going to get people to the Father, the one that's in you, the hope of glory. His name is Jesus. You go and touch another person and say, yeah, no one gets to the Father but through me, the one that's in me. Do you get what I'm saying? I've lost some of you. Let me help you. Jesus invited into your heart. He's the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's not that we're putting ourselves on a pedestal. It's just that we start to understand the literal king of glory is the one living on the inside of us. And we are the ones that take Jesus to the world, but then from that place, get people to the Father through the one that's in us. Because in a moment, the one that's in us now lives in the person that was just lost. Does this make sense? Try and stay with me. Because Jesus came out of being unknown, and this is the first thing he said. People didn't really know him. He had popped up in a couple of places, but people didn't really know him. This was his main event. To proclaim freedom to the captives. Every person outside, this, outside these walls that doesn't have Jesus is a, is a slave to Satan. I was preaching to a Muslim girl last week. 
and and she's been raised in 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 like the mosques and she's been raised under Islam and we went back and forward she heard me praying with another guy and we went back and forward and when we opened our eyes she'd sat down and was listening to our prayer and she was like oh that's really sweet I felt really moved hearing that and I'm like oh that's cool and we went back and forth with her. It came out she was a, she was a Muslim, or she at least she believed that, or she thinks she did. We went back and forth, and I said, "So let me ask you a question: How, how do you know that you you are serving the one true God?" And she said, "Well, I don't really know. I just kind of hope it all works out." And I said, "Well, let me help you with something. I'm a son of heaven. The Bible says. Actually, I started with the Quran." If you're going to preach to a Muslim, it actually pays to know a little bit about the Quran because, you know, they're going to get it. And I said, did you know in the Quran that Allah refers to you as his slaves? You guys get this? They worship a God that calls them his slaves. And I said, let me tell you about the Bible. I said, I worship a God who calls me his son. She went, really? And, 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 and see, the difference is here, guys, is that we worship a family member called our father who happens to be our king and has made us his children. He converted us from slaves, which we were, to sons, which we are, to proclaim liberty to the captive slaves and make them sons. Come on, somebody. Jesus is king. He's my king. He's your king. He's your older brother. You get that? The Bible says that he entered heaven, the firstborn of many brothers. Do you also recognize that that actually is very comparable to the statement that says that Jesus didn't consider himself unworthy to count himself equal with the Father? Do you realize that God is not insecure? And he's invited you right in. I don't even get that. That's amazing. But everyone else out there is a slave. Unfortunately, there's people in the church that are still slaves. Because they use the name Christian, but they're not yet a son. Okay, let's keep moving. And the opening of the prison door to those who are bound. Why is there a difference between a captive and those that need the prison doors opened. Very obvious. Because some people are blatantly lost and other people think they're found, but they're in chains. That's why most of the church today needs to be saved. Because they tick the box in their religious duty of going to church or they go to confessional on Sunday or they sing a worship song and they give in the money box but they don't have a relationship with God. That's why Jesus took it to the next level and he said, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, we did all these things. We even prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. We healed the sick. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. For me? That's the most scary scripture in the whole, in the whole Bible. The most. Because that means that everything that you qualify yourself as being mature and doing is not a qualification to God. That's a scary statement. That means it's not by anything else. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one pulls miracles and gets into heaven. They only come through relationship. Come on, somebody. This is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the one we must pursue.
Come on, let this shake you. Let this shake you because you have the King of glory, the hope of eternity on the inside of you. And the world is desperate to see the revealing of the sons and daughters of God in the earth. The Bible says that all of creation groans with anticipation for you to be honest about who you are. Come on, somebody. I feel the presence of God. We're not here to play church. We're here to bring the King. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's not about being popular. It's not about being famous. It's not about ticking the box. It's not about getting followers on Facebook. It's about Jesus. The opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. Some people think they're free and they're living with chains. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Can I just say something? Stop waiting for something to happen and jump on in this thing. It's good right now. You need to, you need to get on this right now. You need to stop sleeping. You remember when, when, uh, they talked, when Jesus talked about uh, communion? He said, many of you, actually it might have been Paul that said it. He said, many of you that partake in this communion and don't do it with a right heart and actually get this thing clean, many of you actually sleep. He wasn't talking about death. He was actually talking about people that actually become in, come into a slumber in their spiritual life and get dulled down because they don't take God seriously. God's, guys, honestly, you don't have long. If you have a 75 to 80-year life, you've done well. I just was told last week of a 12-year-old girl in Chicago who died of a brain aneurysm. One of our mentors, he's a pastor out there. He's been a pastor for 40 years. He, he was out here, and we spent some time with him. He had to get on a plane the next day and fly home early. Because a 12, you, don't, you aren't guaranteed a thing. How are you opening prison doors? How are you proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord that's good today? A lot of people, they're like, oh, I need to wait until I'm on fire. You're on fire right now. Deal with it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I just need to wait till that one sin issue's dealt with. Yep, deal with it, and you're on fire right now. Awesome. Okay? Stop trying to be good enough and actually just start letting Jesus be enough. Because you're not speaking on your own behalf. You're speaking on behalf of the Father. You're just a representative. You're just a signpost. You're just a way marker. You're just one like John the Baptist who was a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. It doesn't matter about, look, honestly, John the ba homeboy was walking around with camel skin on, like I said last week, and he had bits of like honey and probably some locust over, overspray that was just hanging out in his beard. It didn't matter what he looked like because he didn't come in an Armani tux. He came in a camel skin, and probably that thing didn't smell too good. doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter how perfect you think you are. You have a duty to open your mouth. It ain't no joke. Look, honestly, there have been people that I have begged to get right with God. There was one kid that I'll never, ever forget. I was at his funeral two weeks after I talked to him. His last statement to me, his last statement, not right now, I'll do it when I'm older. I got lots of time to have fun. And I said, don't do it, Jeremy. And within two weeks, he was in eternity. 180 miles an hour going through a stoplight. Got hit by a car on his motorbike. You don't know that you better be... I'm not, I'm not trying to get anyone into works here, but I'm getting us to wake up. Because we're so busy on our social media status updates that we actually are ignoring the souls going into eternity all around us because we're distracted. I know this is strong, but hey, what, do you want me to come pat you on the head? There, there, everything's going to be all right. There's grace and mercy for you to live like a devil. Mm-mm, ain't doing that. Oh, I'm going to go to a church where they tolerate me. That's awesome. Bye. 
I ain't breaking out in a sweat. I'm going to burn. I ain't going to apologize for it. Honestly, this is not popular in this territory and in this culture. I don't care. I'm not here to represent your culture. I'm here to burn. How about you? I'm not here to be popular on social media. I'm here to burn. How about you? If you died tonight, could you look Jesus in the eyes and say, I'm, I didn't quite get everything done, Jesus, but I did my best? Or would you stand there ashamed? That's what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly divided. That means you can be ashamed. Someone with me? Come on, we need to get on fire here. And your fire should be more than your goosebumps and your soaking sessions. It better start looking like sons and daughters being birthed. And while I'm at it, it doesn't look like people getting saved on the street. It looks like people getting saved and discipled. Otherwise, you're just having babies and leaving them in abortion clinics. Oops, said it. You're leaving them in orphanages and no one's looking after them. Hello, we're going there now. It's time for us to get people saved and then actually bring them into a place of maturity where the devil doesn't come and take them apart. Because you got another notch on your belt and you can tell people, I got 40 people saved this year. Oh, we're gone there, dude. We're in the deep end now. Oops. Don't you understand that Jesus told the parable of the talents on purpose? Because he is just like a businessman that has been with his servants, that's us, who are also sons and daughters, by the way. Oh, I'm a son and daughter now, I don't need to work. Well, you can believe what you want, but I ain't burning in hell for your idea. Because you go to the end of that scripture, by the way, the, the parable of the talent starts off with three servants, which represents sons of the kingdom. It doesn't represent people in the world, it represents sons of the kingdom. And there's the dude that, there's the dude that had five talents, and the dude that had three, and then there's the dude that had one. You guys remember the story? The dude with five doubled what he had. The dude with three, he added a couple to, to, to what he had. But the dude with one talent, he went and buried it. He said, I was afraid of you, someone that doesn't know God. I was afraid, so I did nothing with my life, and I went into cruise control. And then the story changes from a story, and it now enters eternity. The Bible says that, that the master said, take the servant and throw him out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you notice that that's the only parable that went from a story to reality? That is the only parable where Jesus literally, he left the story trail and it ended up in hell. Do, do you realize that? And it started with the son. Get this, guys. Oh, there's grace and mercy. Is there? I don't know, you tell me. There is grace and mercy, but it might not be what you think it is. Maybe we need to get the fear of the Lord that will cause us to depart from evil and actually will cause us to start to realize that Jesus didn't come so that he could build a social media empire. He didn't, he didn't come so that we could have ease. He came so that we could enter the kingdom and be saved and that he could seek and save that which was lost. Come on, somebody. We need to let this fire enter us where it's like, listen, you don't go out and hit the streets and like try and tell everyone that you can that they need to, be, that they need to believe in Jesus because you're a religious worker. That does it out of duty. You need to be so consumed with the fire and the goodness and the love of God that it naturally flows out of you that every person you can, you need to show them the love and the goodness of God and people are getting saved around you like everywhere. Come on. The first altar call in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people got saved from a 120-person gathering. That is amazing. Come on, somebody. See, I'm just trying to push and provoke this thing as far as I dare and then I'm jumping over the line and going a little further until we all decide to cross the line. Because when we cross the line, there ain't no stopping us. Do you understand? 
This is not a macho thing. This is not some sort of rev up. This is not some sort of charismatic woohoo moment. This is actually just heaven calling us out. Come on, like this is, look at this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And watch this. Oh, by the way, and the day of vengeance of our God. Oh, that's not doctrinally sound. Well, apparently it is. God's not a God of vengeance. Well, apparently he is. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back will be the great and terrible day of the Lord. You take that up with Jesus. But when he comes back, it ain't going to be a soaking session, guys. No, I'm serious. It isn't going to be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, that's going to happen in heaven. We're going to worship him for all of eternity. But the day he comes back, people are going to be calling out for the rocks to cover them. Come on, guys. Let's cross the line. Let's watch Huntington Beach burn. What's it going to take for you to sell out? What's it going to take for you to let go of all the worldly priorities that you think are important and actually cross the line? Because 30 years from now is going to go real fast. What are you going to do with your life? Watch this. It goes straight from vengeance to comfort, to comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes. And this is the scripture that, that struck me because these guys started singing about the oil of joy. The oil of joy for mourning. Can I tell you this? All this fire that I'm talking about, you won't sustain it unless you've got this joy. Because otherwise, all you're going to turn into is a religious, crazy psycho that beats people over the heads and like, you know, gets, a, gets a couple of signs with a speaker and you go down and tell everyone they're going to hell. Dude, that's not how you do it. I'm just talking to the house right now. I'm talking to the sons and daughters of God. This is not what we, you, know, you don't go down there and start bashing people over the head saying, turn or burn. That's not how you, Jesus never did that. He did say repent for the kingdom of heaven. But what he actually was saying, that statement was, hey, you guys need to change your thinking like what we're talking about tonight. We can't be thinking uh, like the world's taught us to think or how, or can I say like this, how the worldly church has taught us to think. We need to start thinking kingdom. Repent means to change your way of thinking. For the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Tonight, the kingdom of heaven has come near. How? Can't you feel him in this room? He's here. His presence is tangibly here. Right now, I can feel him burning all over me, bearing witness with what's coming out my mouth. Can you feel him? He wants in. He wants to get on you. He wants to burn in your bones. It's like the prophet Jeremiah said, I could feel fire. I tried to close my mouth. I tried to calm down. I tried to be politically correct. I tried to fit in with the crowd, but there was something on the inside of me burning. Fire shut up in my bones so much so that I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I had to open my mouth and I had to baptize people in fire. Come on. I don't care if you think I'm a crazy person. I agree with you. So the problem's being settled in this room right now. Your opinion is right. I agree with you. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Can I tell you? That without Jesus, you are going to live under a consuming, heavy depression. It is going to beat on you. I watch people in church and they just live under depression permanently, day in, day out, months and years. I'm not talking about once in a while. It hits me once in a while too. But I'm talking about people that live under it. I'm like, you need to encounter this God. Because you have a right to be free from that. You have a right to look happy and mean it. This is the territory when we moved here. See, New Zealanders are pretty simple people. Like, what you see is what you get. We moved here. We got fooled for the first few months. Because there's a bunch of people with painted on smiles. There's a bunch of people telling you that you're great, but they hate you. Oh, it's messed up, dude. 
You need the joy of the Lord. You need the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness because, oh, and you need to get rid of that fake thing too, that superficial crap. <laughs> I wasn't pointing at Jeff because he's superficial. I was pointing at him because me and him have an inside joke there. <laughs> Watch this. That they may be called the trees of righteousness. This is, this is the heart of God. When Jesus came out and he launched his ministry, this is what his agenda was. Was to set you free, to set me free. Not just so that you could be called a son of God, but so that you could look like one. Oh, I'm a Christian. Sure about that? People should know your... So look, honestly, we've become so bound by religion and tradition and Christianese. Back then... The world was calling them Christians because they were so peculiar. They, they were saying, hey, these are the people that have turned the whole world upside down. They've changed everything. But now we're trying to be relevant. We're trying to fit in. We want the world to like us. We want our worship leaders to dress a certain way so that they'll be relevant. I want the fire of God. How about that? I don't really care what you think. No, I'm serious. I, I actually, you can ask my wife. I really don't care what you think. I care what God thinks. That's the truth. I'm not putting that. It's just, that's just the way it is. Because you walk enough with God, you just get to the point where you don't give a rip. Because you start to realize that people's opinions are going to burn. It's the word of the Lord that stands forever. That's all that matters. So you better sign up with the word of the Lord. That's all that matters. Come on, can we just get right with God tonight? Okay, so this is where we're going. The planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now this is what I want to stop. I want to start over in verse 1. What? You already did it twice. Oh, this is a religious church. This is one of them religious churches that just read the Bible. Yeah, well, apparently we are. Whatever you want to call it. Like I said, I don't really care. Here's the deal. Jesus isn't on earth right now. You are. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and now he calls you the son. He calls you the daughter. And now what he's saying is, now it's up to you, baby. So now I can say, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Because we, we, we become so religious. We're, oh, this is about Jesus. Leave everyone else out of it. No, he's on me now. Because God has anointed me. I'll leave it up to the preacher. No, you. He's anointed you to preach the good news. What good news? Good news that's going to set people free. Good news that's going to cause them to literally be torn out of the devil's hold. Come on, somebody. Oh, I know I'm preaching pretty wild and it's not Orange County. Don't care. I really don't care. What I care is you getting woken up by the Spirit of God so much that your life changes. That's all that matters here. God's here to set us free tonight from our own selves. Stop blaming the devil. It's you. You did it. You believe that you chose to make God in your image. Oops. <laughs> oh, I went to church. I wasn't really encouraged. Well, you actually can get encouraged. Because here's the thing. The Spirit of the Lord on you is not going to settle for the rules you've made. Remember we were singing? Consume me with your fire. Oh, ouch, ouch. Oh, oh, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, he wants all of you including your opinions. <laughs> oh, I know I'm upsetting you, but that's okay. You'll get over it. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to deal with it in just a little bit here because God's going to get you. 
See, the problem is, is you already let him get on your finger. It's like, oh, I like this, Jesus, I like the way this feels. Oh, ah, ah. Problem is, is that once a, once a branch is set on fire, you can't stop it burning the rest of the branch. It's, he's coming for you right now. It's too late. You're going to go back to your bedroom and burn. Apology accepted, Jesus. No, just let him burn. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because God has chosen me. That's what anointed means. He's chosen me. He's chosen you. He ordained you before the beginning of the world. Well, I don't know if I really feel it. Well, you're going to feel it in just a bit. Because if you stick around it long enough, the fire's going to get on you. It's going to change you. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, don't agree with me. Just agree with Jesus. If we can be, agree that we, if we can all agree here that we agree with Jesus, it's all going to work out. I don't know if I like your style of preaching, Andrew. Pat, I don't really care. Because here's the thing. There's something going out into the spirit realm right now that you can't, you can't really resist. It's gone out. It's called the Word of God. Because that's all I'm really talking about here is the Word of God. Or did you come for, for me to sit down in one of those weird little chairs that sometimes are up here and give you a quiet little message so you could feel appeased? Listen, you need to get provoked because you are sitting on the eternal hope of glory that the whole world is waiting to hear. And if you don't open your mouth... Listen, I'm going to tell you a story right now. I had a spirit realm encounter. Oh, no, now he's talking about the spirit realm. Yeah, it happens all through the Bible. Why are you so weirded out about it? Why are you so weirded out? Angels showing up from the beginning of the Bible to the end. People getting caught up into the heavens from the beginning to the end. Now you're talking, oh, that was just for the apostles. Listen, it was happening way before the apostles. Stop limiting it to the apostles. That's some weird religious thing that's too afraid to let God be God. Just let go of that crap and kick it out the door. They don't belong in your life. So this is what happened. I have an encounter with God, and I find myself standing next to the throne of God. His knee is above my head. And I'm standing there. I can't hear anything. It's like it's one of those, it's one of those movies where there's no sound. And I think God did it like that on purpose. I'm standing, this this is a little traumatic, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you for effect because you need to get this and I pray it burns into your mind. I'm standing there, and I can see the hand of God rested on his thigh. He's towering above me. Angels, two angels, bring a soul. There's a courtroom, but there's, I can't really see it. It's kind of like shrouded with a cloud on the outside of it. It's kind of nothingness beyond that. But two angels bring a soul, and the soul stands before the throne of God, and a conversation happens that I can't hear. And I see the hand of God lift up off his right thigh and the finger points out. I didn't hear anything. And I saw demons running out from the right-hand side, from, from left, but God's right. They came running, running out, and they came and they grabbed the soul, and all of a sudden I could hear. And the soul, I couldn't see whether it was a man or woman, but the soul looked at me and its eyes pierced me, And he started screaming at me with a hideous voice saying, why didn't you ever tell me? And he was dragged out, kicking and screaming by demons. You tell me this ain't a joke. This is is for real. And I never forgot that. See, the fear of the Lord causes you to straighten up a little bit. Oh, God's going to change my life and make everything work out. Listen, you're a carnal Christian. You need to bow to Jesus. And you need to give your life to him for real. See, now we've gone there, haven't we? Because unfortunately, and I apologize to you, but the modern church has lied to you. 
and they are sending you to hell, you need to repent of it. I'm not saying that's anyone here. I'm just preaching to the atmosphere. But if it's you, you need to repent. You need to say, God, I'm detaching myself from that stuff. I'm going to burn for you. I'm going to give myself entirely to you. I'm going to bow before you. Come on, guys. We need this. We need this. We need this. We need this. But more than that, they need you to have this. They need to see you step out the door. They need to come up to something about you. I'm so empty. I'm so broken. I'm bound. I'm addicted. I'm tormented. And you have something I can see tangible light shining out of you. What is it about you? You're full of joy. See, some people, I've seen some young people, they walk in here and they're the most miserable human beings that it looks like, honestly, the, 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 the demons are getting delivered to get away from them. They're like, I need to go to a deliverance camp to get away from that messed up Christian. No, I'm serious. See, you're supposed to be the light of the world because he's inside of you, right? But I've seen Christians that call themselves Christians that aren't Christians because it's very obvious by the way they live that they're, t- they're miserable. See, the oil of gladness should look like something, guys. And I'm not saying you don't go through hard times because we all do. But what I am saying is, is that the, the presence of God in your life should look like something. That means that you should have joy in the trial. That means you should have peace in the storm. Come on. You should be the hope of the world to everyone around you, no matter whether you're in a winter season or a summer season. No matter whether you're going through the worst trial of your life or you're blessed. You know, I watched, I watched Jeff's uh, relative just recently. She just passed away, and we prayed and contended for her. She had cancer in her blood, right? And I watched that girl, and I'd never really got up close to her, but I saw from a distance, this girl was, was being Jesus in a place where she was really sick, and everyone around was tripping. This is true, right? Everyone around her was tripping out. They were like, you're helping everyone else, and you're supposed to be the victim here. And she's like, I'm good. I've got something coming out of me. I've got this hope. Everything's going to be okay. And she was getting people saved on her deathbed. Let that convict you. Because you got all the reasons why, oh, I'm not called to be the evangelist in the church. I'm more of a prophet. Oh, I'm the pastor that helps them after they get saved. Listen, you're deceived. That's what you are. Before we put any labels on you, let's just call it deceived. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. I'm trying to encourage you into the fire. And I'm not trying to get you to go into works where you go and, oh, I better read my Bible for five hours every day now. No, no, listen, I'm just calling you to get real with God. Will you cross the line? We need to cross the line and give all and let his fire truly consume us. Look, honestly, guys, Psalm 61 is actually a description of you. Sorry, Isaiah 61 is a description of you. It's a description of me. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Someone's broken? Yeah, awesome. I got just what you need. His name is Jesus. Can I say this? Some people... They actually try and hold God to ransom and they say, and they're very deceived by the way, oh, I'm not going to do anything until you set my life in order. Listen, the very key for your breakthrough might be the fact that you get over yourself and you go help people despite where you are right now. Oh, I haven't got any finances or I'm still sick in this area or I'm still struggling with that sin. Yeah, maybe your key is watching someone cross the line and watch the darkness lift off their face and watch a son get born right in front of you. Is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. It's worth getting rejected. It's worth getting laughed at. But it, don't, it, ain't, it ain't worth someone screaming, why did you never tell me? It ain't worth that. Trust me, I've seen it. You don't want that. It's okay. You guys are so encouraged. You're like, praise the Lord, I'm down cloud nine. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. You've got to bring people joy. Come on, no more mundane Christianity, guys. Your personal intimacy with Jesus should look like something. 
and it should look more than notes in a notebook. Well, I've got a journal. So what? Your face looks like death. I don't care about your journal. I mean, I ain't saying don't journal. I think journaling's great. Don't get me wrong. But don't try and use that as your proof of life because I can see your face. I'm like, dude, we, we've seen some miracles, but this is going to be a big one. <laughs> this is going to be one of the major ones. We need to get a camera on this. <laughs> Just being honest. Just being honest. We can raise the dead here in Jesus' name. <laughs> the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, I am done seeing people, helpless victims, being made a spectacle of by the enemy out there. You have the potency of heaven on inside of you, and it's actually designed to destroy hell. Now, let me read a scripture to you. I was, I was hurting. I was broken at a very broken time in my life. I was very young. And I actually drove to work one day. And God had told me when I was young, like when I was 18, that I was going to be a prophet, and I didn't even know what a prophet was. And I said, God, I drove to work, and I was there early one day, and I pulled my Bible out of my glove box. I said, you better speak to me, otherwise I'm done with you. Just being honest. I was 21, I messed up. I opened the book randomly, like one of those Bible bingo moments, you know? I mean, I'm not really a big advocate of Bible bingo because people actually look for what they want. Oh, God, can I marry him? Uh, where's Esther? Oh, Vashti was removed and she was made the queen. Oh, praise the Lord, it must be the will of heaven. Yeah, Bible bingo. You guys get what I'm saying, right? Okay, Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm just going to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. This is, this is look, listen, this is, I was out praying one. Praying is a, is a habit of my life. It's not just Tuesday nights. I'll jump in. A, we did it today. We jumped in the car and we went down to San Clemente praying in the Holy Ghost. It's our habit. Praying in the Holy Ghost for an hour, listening to what God says. And I've been doing this my whole, my whole spiritual life. One day I was out praying and the Lord literally said to me, he said, I have made you a siege weapon. I'm like, I like that. Yeah, it was like one of those giant things that you saw in uh, one of those old movies uh, where they were like besieging a city and like they had the big wheels and those giant big catapult things that fired those, fired those huge big rocks that were on fire. You know those things? Yeah. You have been called to destroy hell because you destroying hell liberates the lost sons and daughters and brings them to the Father. Do you understand that? Come on, somebody. When Jesus got off the boat in Gadaria and the madman came up to him called Legion and he cast the demon out, he destroyed hell. And when he destroyed hell, Legion wanted to become one of his disciples. He says, no, no, this is not actually what God intended. You're an evangelist. Go into this whole area and tell everybody. Go and get them or tell them all about the kingdom that's come because it's a new day, baby. You destroy hell and heaven starts to expand. It just takes one moment. It just takes one moment where hell is destroyed. But you have to be on fire because if, if you've gone lukewarm, you ain't even going to see the opportunity. And you will be a coward in that moment. Okay, this is, this is what God says to everyone tonight. Before I, This is Jeremiah chapter 1, and it starts from verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. This is what God was speaking to me when I was 20 years old, backslidden, messed, sorry, 21 years old, backslidden, messed up. Actually, no, I think I might have been 22 at the time. 
It's been a while now. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I can't do it, God. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go, uh, you shall go to all whom I send you, and wherever I command you, you shall speak. Notice that you actually don't get to have a choice. It's called I don't got a choice anointing. I don't have a choice because God's sending me. I don't get to choose. Oh, I think I'm... See, we're just full of choices here, aren't we? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. And the Lord's telling him to go wherever he goes and speak whatever he says. Verse 8, do not be afraid of their faces for I'm, I'm with you and to deliver you, says the Lord. See, we need some courage in us. We need to be able to get past ourselves and stop thinking it's all about us because social media is, you know, we put a picture up and it's like, well, either I'm going to get 50 likes or no one's going to like it and I'm going to be insecure and take the photo down. That's, what, that's the sum of our generation. That is the sum of our generation. And see, the thing is, we can't even post a picture without being paranoid, let alone get out and say something. See, you've got to understand, I don't give a rip. You need to not give a rip. Because what, what happens when God tells you to speak to that one person that you feel insecure about? Oh, I didn't want to do it, Jesus, because I was afraid and I had my talent. Oops, bad move. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand, put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now watch this. To root out and to tear down and to destroy and throw down and build and plant. You are to destroy hell and you are to build heaven. You are to tear down the works of the enemy and you are to establish the kingdom of God. Period. With no shame. The only way you're going to do it is with the oil of gladness, is with the fire of God, is with the boldness and courage of heaven. That's the only way. When you start, that's why Jesus said, if you really want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, fees. Deny yourself, fees. And take up your cross. You need to let go of your ego and your insecurities, and you need to die, piggy. It ain't about you, it's about Jesus. It's about the Son of God who is worthy. It's about the Father God who is worthy and who has made us his sons and made us his daughters. Come on. Is someone getting stirred up right now? Because we need this. We need to be transformed, and we need to let go of the flesh. Honestly, like I am here in Orange County to make war with the carnal church. No apologies. We're no better than anyone else, and we're not here to be elitist, but we're not here to accept the crap that has been fed to the body of Christ. It is crap. You are called to tear down hell. Stop being afraid of the devil. Who is in you? Greater is he that's in you than any adversary on the outside. So no matter how bound, no matter how messed up, no matter how intimidating, you are to walk as bold lions. Sons of the king, daughters of the king, you are not to be afraid of anyone. You are to look hell in the face and say, get out the way. I'm here for the captives. I have a job to do and I intend on opening prison doors and loosing shackles, unplugging blind eyes and, and deaf ears of healing the sick, raising the dead, and preaching the kingdom. And I'm not here to do anything else. And I will not compromise. Come on, somebody. We're here for the word of God. That's it. I'm not here for compromise. How about you? Come on. We're going to get this to stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to get something now because we're crossing a line.
You see, the thing is, is that you could see in the children of Israel out in the desert, there was people that were playing games and then there was people that were serious about God. And what Moses did is he got a stick and he went and drew a line in the sand. He's like, hey, everybody that's serious about God and is going to follow God, come over this side and everyone that doesn't want to, who wants to be in rebellion, you stay over there. And the Bible says that the people that stayed in rebellion, the earth opened up and swallowed them. Just like fire coming out of heaven, that really happened. Imagine being on the right side of the line. Glad I picked the right line. God's not here to play games, guys. You know, Acts chapter 5, new covenant, grace, mercy, love. Ananias and Sapphira come up and lie to the apostle Paul. Sorry, Peter. They both dropped dead. God ain't playing games, dude. I ain't trying to say, look, no one's going to drop dead here. The problem is, is they were lying to the Holy Spirit. And there comes a point where you cross a line and it's no longer a game. And the church needs to wake up. This ain't a game. We are here and I will spend the balance of my life contending for the souls of this territory. Don't, um, don't think this is all about your comfort. This is about the souls that are bound to the slavery of the enemy. And you are here to set them free. It is war. Oh, I don't like talking about all that militant stuff. Well, deal with it. When Jesus went down to hell, he didn't sit down at like the, the Starbucks in hell, which there probably is a Starbucks in hell. And he didn't sit down there with the devil and have a little negotiation over a coffee. He went down there and kicked his butt. And that finished with, that fight ended with the devil screaming, tapping out, with Jesus' heel planted firmly into the devil's skull. That's a good fight. I like MMA. I'm all about that. So what makes you think that your fight's going to be any different? Oh, well, Jesus won it all. I can sit and just relax now. Well, you're a liar. That's, that's, that's called a doctrine of a devil. That's why Paul said, I've fought the good fight. After Jesus died and won the, won the victory, Paul said, I have run the race. I have fought the fight. You've got to take that up with Paul. It's still a fight. That's why he said, you, you, you've, you've, you've enlisted to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He didn't enlist you to be, to be a cheerleader or a, little, or a little soccer player or someone skipping through the tulips. He enlisted you to be a warrior. Now, the only way you're going to be a good warrior is being a good lover. Hello. The only way you're going to be a good warrior is by being a good lover because worship is your greatest weapon. Okay, and if you really want to see hell destroyed, you're going to have to be a good worshiper. But you're going to have to be courageous, and the only way you do that is you get into the eyes of your lover. And his courage becomes your courage. His strength becomes your strength. His passion for the lost becomes your passion. You find a backslidden person, you'll find someone that doesn't care about souls. And they'll have every reason to justify it. Their fear. I know I've gone over a little bit tonight, but I apologize. And then again, I don't apologize because I think we need this. We need this. We need to get busy about our father's business. That's what Jesus was here to do. He said, I, I understand, mum and dad, that you're down two days down the street and that you lost me and everything, but you have to understand I'm here for my father's business. And so are you. As Jesus was on this earth, so are you. Amen? Now I'm going to invite you. If this has convicted you tonight and you want to, and you want to step over the line with God, I want you to come up the front as an act before God. I want you to come stand up the front here. And I want you to actually, as a symbolic thing, God, I'm crossing over the line. And you might be on fire already. This isn't about if you're doing right with God or not. This is actually about you crossing the line. God, I want to have all of you. I want you to have all of me. I want your fire to consume me. And I want you to take me to the place where everything in you 
becomes in me. And I start to get driven. Touch in Jesus' name. And I start to get driven by your spirit. Where everyone around me, without me even preaching yet, starts to experience the presence of God. See, the thing is, is that, you know, this last week, the whole world just celebrated St. Patrick's Day. They don't even know who St. Patrick is. St. Patrick was a king who was stolen from his, from his throne, or he was a son of a king, and he was actually made a slave. He was Welsh, and then he got taken to Ireland, and he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he went to war with Druids, which is wizards and warlocks. Dude, there was situations like, here, let this mess with you for a second. This is someone that's on fire. He raised a person that had been dead for three years. Stood over a grave and said, come forth. Three years. That messes with me. You hear a rumbling under the ground as the bones start rattling together. Come on. There's a story of him, and I can't remember who told me this one, but there's a story of him where something happened and he was in front of ice and he literally breathed fire out of his mouth and set the ice on fire and the ice burnt like wood and kept them all warm. Here's another story. He went up to like full force war because at that time, Ireland was actually controlled and ruled by the Druid witches because that's what they were, they're witches, they're Satanists. And when he got there and the fire of God got on him, they started trying to kill him. And he actually had a standoff like Elijah did where he literally said, okay, if your God's God, if your God's the one, the most powerful, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go stand in this house and you're going to call your gods to come and burn the house down with me in it. He said, but when I'm finished, I get my turn. Well, they didn't call any fire down, but then it was their turn and he called fire down. They all burnt and died. Oh, that's not very nice. Well, it happened. Deal with it. If you want to side with the devil, it ain't going to go well. You better bow to Jesus. Come on, guys. <laughs> the green clover, the reason that it's a famous Irish symbol is because St. Patrick used the green clover leaf to explain the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where it came from. It's not about Guinness, guys. And it's not about leprechauns. Leprechauns are demons. That's not some little funny thing. They are demons, a leprechaun, leprechaun, whatever you want to call them. I don't really care. They're a devil. <laughs> so here's the thing. We need to stop listening to the stories and being wowed, and we need to start being the story. I'm calling you out tonight, guys. It's time we cross the line and we actually let the Holy Spirit get us. It's time that we stop using our tragic stories to give us a reason to not step over the line with God. All of our reasons why we haven't committed yet. Deal with it and give it to Jesus and you'll be healed and set free and blessed along the journey. Stop using your stupid reasons. It's called excuses. Okay, so right now we're going to pray. Okay, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'm going to pray you follow me. Father, I'm here to give you all. I repent for living in the flesh. And I ask you to have all of me tonight. I am here to present myself as a living sacrifice and I ask you to answer by fire. I ask you to fall from heaven right now, Holy Spirit, and to consume me with your fire. Have all of me. Have the stubborn places. Have the bound places. Have the sinful habits. 
have every part of me that's not right with you. Come and consume me. Set me on fire. Possess me, Holy Spirit. Send me out to save the world. To set the world on fire. Take fear away from me. Take cowardice out of me. Fill me with boldness. Fill me with fire and passion that all I would see and all I would care about would be what stirs in your heart. Tonight, God, I give you the parts of me that I have held back. Have all of me. Encounter me. Baptize me. Fill me with your spirit. Change me and cause me to change the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for tonight. I thank you, God, that we have been touched by your spirit and we will not be the same. I thank you that you're encountering us, God, that your fire is coming to answer the living sacrifice and that you intend to transform us. Father, I thank you and I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that every word that has gone out by your Spirit would be seared and branded into our being and that we would be gripped by it and it would not just be a message that goes into our ears, but it would be a message that defines our spirits, that would transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we agree with your agenda. Father, we agree with your plan. We say, let it be so. In Jesus, we give you liberty. Have at us, change us, set us on fire and let the souls begin to flow out of darkness into light in Jesus' name. Did I pray for you? Shetarababa, fire over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, shetarababa, amen. Amen, it's been awesome. I love you guys. Tuesday night's gonna be awesome.